Hey, everybody. It's the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. I forget how this goes. Shout out to Blue Wire. Shout out <laughs> to American Fireworks, our longtime friends in Hudson, our longtime sponsor. They are local folks, Cleveland sports fans, just like most of you guys. They've been good to us. They've been good to you. Go to AmericanFireworks.com or go to the store. Tell them A to Z sent you. Uh, Dre, what's happening? The, the, the Cleveland baseball team is playing at home. That's a rare occurrence. They're, yeah, they are. Um, we, I just got done doing a Rizzo show, and we were talking about, is this a baseball town? And, uh, congrats, by the way. Yeah, it's good congrats. You know, <laughs> I hear something I was going to say. Um, I was looking at somebody sent me a, a tweet, and it's pretty good because it talks about last night's attendance. Uh, and it says teams that had better attendance than Cleveland last night. The Reds, who were 51 and 77. The Nationals, who were 43 and 86. The Twins, who were 67 and 61. The White Sox who are 63 and 66. The Brewers who are 68 and 60. And the Diamondbacks who are 61 and 67 all had way more people at their games than the Cleveland Guardians last night. So for whatever reason, and the question is, is this a baseball town? Um, kind of isn't. There's some great fans that really love the game, but it's not really a baseball town either. Well, I, I, I'm, I didn't know we were going to start with that. but Neither did uh, I. But <laughs> yeah, so I'm driving last night. You know, I had no idea the game started at six o'clock. Right. Now, I, I, as I always say, I, I'm not one to judge a lot of these things because I live in a bubble, you know? Yeah. Um, and I get why they do it, right? But then I'm driving, I'm listening because then I discovered the game started at six o'clock. <laughs> and I hear Hammy talking about $11 tickets on Saturday. And I'm like, wait yeah. a second. This is bizarre. Like, this is basically a playoff game. Um, the weather's yes, so nice. It it's is. still technically it is. summer. But then right. I, I could I didn't understand it, but it's because it's during Ohio State Notre Dame. Yeah. So it's just the reality of it, right? Like that's just, that's it, just yeah. I mean, but you know what? That's 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 a Saturday. That's Ohio State Notre Dame. No biggie. There's no excuse up until now. They haven't they've there's been no competition. You know, whether it's football to, like and in, and I and this is all I said on that show, and I'll say here because we don't got to do the whole show on this, and I could care and less because yeah, the city is what it is. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to appreciate a young, fun team that's talented, then that's on you. Um, it's not really a baseball town because uh, most cities and most towns that I travel to love all their teams. Like I was just in Seattle, they love they they love their Mariners team that hasn't made the playoffs in like two decades. They love their Seahawks. They love their their soccer team. And you don't hear them on radio stations bitching and saying, well, we're a football town. Um, that just comes off as meatheadish and ridiculous because most cities, whether it be Chicago, Boston, uh, New York, they love and go to and they take care of all their teams and they don't make excuses about the ownership and everything else. Because if you really want to put the ownership up to uh, to task in this city, I, I think we no one will wear an orange shirt. But anyway, um, what do you think I about the fantasy floored. team? I was floored in hearing that the Mariners last made the playoffs the year they won 116. Not a yeah. single time since then. Isn't that crazy? Isn't yeah. that amazing? I was like, and, no. And think about the play. <laughs> and think about the players they've had. Yeah. Think about like it's, you know, right. It's that, never been a team that said we're going to tank. No. Like, and that's another reason to appreciate your Cleveland Gardos. I, I think. <laughs> and again, you know, this is an argument that has no winner, right, Jerry? But don't you think, assuming they finish this division. Don't you think the playoff games would be sold out? Yeah, they will, but that's bandwagon, right? They, I they, see, that's where people are going to take exception. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> like, well. what's, what's the except? But what is it like? That's the definition of a bandwagon fan. You got eight thousand fans that showed up last night 
Four team in first place. That's like one of the one of the one of the most exciting teams in all of baseball. The Cleveland Guardians, the Cleveland baseball organization, is respected more in forty nine states and half of Canada than it is in the state it plays in. I go around the country, and people, scouts, fans, coaches, managers, TV executives, they absolutely love the Guardians organization and what it's doing, and and brag about how. Great it is what they're overcoming and what they're doing and how they've gone about bringing talent along. And how if you look around half of baseball, half of baseball is run by guys that used to be in the Cleveland organization because that's how good they are at what they do. Well, there's no question they're really good at developing young pitchers and developing their young players. You know, um, it will be interesting to see because I don't think anyone expects them to win the World Series this year. No. Right. But but nobody with... expected them to be in first place. No, in, no. In uh, you know, look. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I have followed from far in the way that I do, and I give them massive credit. You know, shit, going back two months now, when I think it was right around July 4th when they went to Detroit and got swept, right? Kind of felt like, okay, well, maybe reality's coming for this team, and they're just going to flatten out and be around 500 and still be okay. But, I mean, I don't know. What, what are the standings right now on Wednesday morning? How, how many games are they ahead? They're one and a half games ahead, but they, oh, wow. and the, the, the key stat though, right now is that they've got a ton more games. Um, they got a ton more games at home than the twins do. And the twins have been terrible on the road and most of their schedule the rest of the season. Don't, isn't the there a stretch where they play the twins five in a row at home? We play, yeah. We play them five in a row at home. We play them okay. eight more times. We play them eight more times in, in like a 10 day period of time. Okay. Well, that'll be so fun. It's, it's, it's going to be pretty fun. We go there next week. I mean, it's look, the season's going to be fun regardless. And and that's the beautiful thing about Tito. I mean, do they want people there? Do they want to be loved and adored like other teams? Sure. But if you don't show up, Tito just uses it as one more motivation key with his guys, and he's great at doing it. Yeah. So what time is first pitch um, Six on Saturday, and how does Saturday? that affect you watching the last day? <laughs> doesn't affect me at all. I'm not doing a game that day. <laughs> oh, well, shit. Well, it's a yes. national game. I don't know. 7.15 on Saturday. Good luck. I'll have it on one of my TVs. <laughs> I'll be even better. <laughs> I mean, I could have an excuse. I go to I go to almost two hundred games a year. <laughs> See, th- this is a thing that I have though, Dre. Like, you know, it, it obviously Saturdays mean something to baseball's national contract, right? But like, it's the first Saturday of college football, so why so do one o'clock? Yeah, so do yeah. one o'clock games for baseball. So right? I agree. Like, th- this goes back. I've been sitting on this for two months, and this is why I brought up July fourth. The Sunday before July fourth, the Indians hosted the Yankees, right? And the Yankees mm. beat their ass for two games. And then I think it was Sunday, right? Tristan pitch a gem, right? I, I, am I right here? I'm not making this yeah. up. Yeah. Right. So the next day was July 4th. The New York Yankees did not play a game. Their next stop was Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, they, you, I was the first time driving from the Cleveland right. baseball a, stadium to downtown. Right. That was Pittsburgh. like the first time in like 30 years. Right. They hadn't played before. So I'm like, why, what is like baseball is hurting, actively hurting itself. And I'm not saying that that July 4th for baseball has to be equivalent to, say, basketball's Christmas because people are outside on July 4th. People are doing yeah, shit, yeah. right? But for the New York fucking Yankees to not play on July 4th. To be sitting in hotels on some in sort of platform of when you're doing all this other stuff and forcing games to be played at 11 in the morning at Peacock and forcing some of baseball's best teams to play on Apple TV at 11 o'clock yeah. at night on Fridays, and you right. can't have the New York Yankees play on July 4th? Like, what are you even it's- doing? It's ass backwards, man. Ass, I mean, it. it I mean, it, baseball has to. There's, there's this comment I'll make, but I like baseball needs to. Gosh, I want to. Baseball needs to grow up. 
and yes. and see where and find out and learn where the rest of America is living because they live in a world. And you said it very well. Where are the rest of America? Yes. And that doesn't they, mean you can't or don't need to have your own niche. No. Right? But, but and and look, you and like you said, Saturday is dipped. So you're going to Saturday, and that's fine because it's college football, and I get where you're going off of it. My thing is this: you've had all summer, and you and and because you're more worried about, and this is the baseball itself. They're more worried about getting four or five streaming companies to pay them billions of dollars. Uh-huh. Like NFL has done it right. They, can you stream and look at how much money now that you're going to pay that they're getting from one company to stream their football games, and they waste. They took their time to do it. They found a company that can do it, but they didn't screw their teams in trying to figure out what was best or screw their fans in what's trying to do best. They have to learn how to market their players better. They have to learn how to market their game better. They need new young blood that gets the world that we live in. Correct. Correct. So what do you think about our fantasy football team? What do you got? Okay. Yes. So our draft is Sunday morning at 8 a.m. This is a product of being old. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to have to strategize because we're we're picking ninth or tenth. Well, we got that draft, and then we got the other one at like noon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, I've streamlined it. I, I, I'm hosting the 8 a.m. Okay. okay. So that way we're not wow. Because after you. the 17 smoke breaks and everybody's at least 15 minutes late and whatever, it was always causing a conflict. So this no is doubt. just a one laptop setup. So um, yeah. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take Jacoby Brissett in the first round. Ah! We're gonna pair him with Anthony Schwartz in the sixth. And we're going to get rich, bitch. <laughs> you're going to trade, trade both of them before we get done trading that draft. <laughs> hey, man, we got to say something about Anthony Schwartz. And, and of fans course, this is your podcast. You can say whatever you want. That's true. True that. <laughs> the Browns, for as crazy as they do a lot of things, there's a reason why you see Anthony Schwartz that much in preseason. They're trying to figure out, and they're trying to give other teams to worry about his speed, but the fool can't they can't break with their plays. But for everybody to get it, this reminds me of the Cindric Steptoe theory. I'll never forget. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> I mean, a name I never thought I'd hear again. Dude. I know. Well, I bring it up because I'll never forget hearing some idiot. I remember walking out to the car next to Deke after a preseason game. And we turn on Mike Snyder, and some guy is bitching and moaning about Cindric Septo. And it was the only time I've ever heard Mike Snyder almost lose his shit on the air. And he's like, Cindric Septo. <laughs> the point was, is like, if you're yelling and screaming about a third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, seventh round wide receiver in August, the problem's you, not the receiver. Well, you're right. Now, listen, there, there's one. Well, there's many issues with Anthony Schwartz and with there's the many, but game. you know what? I'm, you know what? But I'm he was at. flat overdrafted. He yeah. is Cindric Septo, who was a seventh round pick. He was taken mm-hmm. in the third, right? Right, right. So that's not his fault. That's the Browns' fault. But the Browns constructed this receiving core, taking gambles that Donovan Peoples-Jones would take a leap, that Anthony Schwartz would take a leap, that David Bell would come in ready to play. They might be right on David Bell. He missed some time, and it's hard for any rookie at any position if you miss two days, let alone two weeks. It is. Right. So we'll see. I, I, you know, He's not as dynamic as the other guys, but guess what? Peoples-Jones is just a guy. He just is. I'm sorry. I, I was waving the flag early. He's just a guy, especially in an offense piloted by just a guy. And Schwartz is not an NFL player. He's not. He's fast. But in the same way it is for the tight end, you can learn to run better routes. You can learn to read defenses and you can build chemistry with your quarterback that helps you get the inches. In that, and you're yeah. only ever open by inches in the NFL. But well, when you're I mean, not a natural pass catcher, you're no, never going to be a natural pass catcher. Right. But I'll say this. 
they're just trying to find the four plays in a package they can use to take advantage of. They are. They they're are. not the plays you see in the preseason. They're not going to run. And that's the, rub the reality that of where they are with the past game. Right. But the rub, the rub route that the interception comes and everybody wants to jump Jacoby Brissett. That's not his fault. You have a receiver that's a pussy and wouldn't run through what he needed to run through to get there. Yeah, that's something that the coaching staff can mark down and say, okay, we're never going to run shorts on that again because he can't stick his nose in there and get through there. Well, the and only how time you find the these things out, yes, yeah, is in is in August. That's when you do yeah. those things. This is the passing game. Jacoby Brissett is far from the worst quarterback to ever put on the orange helmet and try it out there, but he is who he is. He's very limited. He is, but they didn't help him by how they went through this. this no, camp. no. Knowing, knowing what they know, they, their hardheadedness and their stubbornness, they should have had Jacoby Brissett take yes. a number one, number one snaps from day one. Yes. And, and that's going to, they're going to lose a game because of it's that. It's been a botch. And, yeah, and fans are going to bitch and moan about Jacoby Brissett when in reality, the Browns, in my opinion, stubbed their toe by not getting this guy ready. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you could make the argument, and I will here, even though I'm not sure 100% believe it. <laughs> That part of hiding him until what is because he can only do so much, and nah, it, but it that's is stupid. what it is. That's not, but you don't do that. At, you don't do that at Manchester. You don't do that at, at Ohio okay. State. You, when you have a quarterback that has deficiencies, I'll, I'll agree with you with his talent. You do more with them early, so you can find out how best to use him. You can win games with him if you have him prepared, know what he's doing. But the way they've done this, hey, let's get let's run, let's run dry rub out there and, and and see if he still can throw it. And let him play a couple games and do a yeah. couple bad interviews before the games. The way they handled everything in that Jacksonville game just sums up the Browns right. where they are. Like what? Um, what will? How will any of that help yeah. the offense in the first three no. weeks of the season? Dre, I, you know my major concerns remain, and this sounds like when we started doing this podcast eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever. <laughs> organizational, right? It's very clear. There's not a unified front. It's very clear they have no idea how to publicly handle this. They. It, Changing quarterbacks midway through training camp, trotting a guy out for the first preseason game that doesn't mean anything, right? Like right. gambling on a receiving core that's now the worst. I mean, they have a bottom three pass attack in the league. And yes, they have a top one rushing attack. And yes, they bring back a good defense and a good roster. But the reason you made this trade is because you had a bottom six passing attack. Yeah. And you <laughs> haven't done very much to change it right. either. Right. You know, like well, you look, haven't done very. <laughs> let, let, let me just say this. And again, I, any anything short of basic observations in any preseason, good or bad, good team or bad team, be careful with. It's the preseason. Yeah. Each team True has that. its own agenda. It means nothing. Um, any observations or jumping off the bridge or jumping to Super Bowl conclusions in September are dangerous. It's a long season that's gotten longer. Health plays such a factor. Teams figure out every team, even the bad teams, work 100 hours a week in scouting and you know, stealing your plays and diagnosing your plays and all of that. And, you know, when Joe Burrow threw three interceptions in a row against the Bears last September, not even Mr. and Mrs. Burrow had the Bengals going to the playoffs, right? So (laughs) everybody needs a deep breath. The NFL starts too early, training camps too long. And, you know, frankly, the passing game is what it is. But I was otherwise 0% shocked that the Browns were flat as hell and what their coach wanted to be the dress rehearsal because they're just not interested on August 27th. And you just can't be. It's just it's just not. Yeah, but that's that's set up. You're right. And I wasn't there, but I've had conversations with people that were near. And it is bothersome that when the Chicago Bears ran there, I mean, it's generic, even though it is. I know what you're, you're saying. It's still the third preseason game. It was a lot of just base defense, base offense being played, and the Bears played with more hunger. They did, but but you that's know not. What? But that's Clown, a that Clowney, Garrett, I hear Cooper, I hear Chubb you. had the same view of that game that I. Did. So. I hear you, but you're missing what I'm saying on that. 
I don't know who to start. This beanbag one more time. I am going to here, here's my problem with this: radio. when the Bears, the Bears, one of the worst teams in the league last year, and it's preseason. But when you're going man oh man oh, and you're going base versus base, there were some issues with just how easy the game was for the Bears compared to the other ones. And I know all the starters weren't out there, but the bases of who you are and what you are show up in those moments. I look. I've I've done sideline for preseason games, and you can tell when one team's going through the motions and the other team is actually, and it's different. The Chicago coaches are coaches for their lives, right? So they're yelling and screaming because they know every every minute of what they do and everything they put on tape is not only for their next job, possibly, but it's trying to keep the job they have. You better get that same energy when you got the orange helmets on. Yeah. So like I said, you, you, all of that's real, and it, it was not an especially impressive performance at any point. Um, you know, the Eagles came in here and the Eagles were the better team. Now, again, that, they, that, beat, they beat up each other all week long, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> By the time no, the game no, I'm played, not talking about the game. Much. I'm talking about the two you. days. Of practice, okay. Okay. Right? But again, Ward's not out there. Newsom's not out there. Um, Clowney's not out there. And then, and you can't really judge anything from that because you're playing Nick Chubb, not tackled to the ground, and you're playing Jalen Hurts, not tackled to the ground. So it's, yeah. it's not, it's, it is what it is. But so all of those things being said that, that you hold your reservations and your judgments that you don't worry that if you do trust in this coaching staff and in this front office, that you believe that eventually, you know, some continuity will help and talent will win out and all of those things, but I'm not going to run. And I don't want anybody to run from two things here. Absolutes about the Browns on this last day of August, as we record this podcast in tomorrow, September. Okay. And that's one that this first game means the fucking world to the head coach. And if he does, if he loses it, perception and possibly ownership are going to turn on him. And two, in week three, you play the Steelers. If they turn on him, then that's the worst. That, good for the good. Good for him because okay. the quicker he gets away from them, the better for the rest. <laughs> well, of the sure. But in week three, you play well, the Steelers stupid. at home, and you're going to have you know it's going to be out there. It's not national TV. It's Amazon, but it's the spotlight game of the week. It's going to be out there. Your offense is going to have seen what you can do. All the you know the Deshaun Watson thing is going to be the storyline when he's still weak. Those are the two games. You win them fine and dandy, and everything's great. You don't win both of those games or at least one of those games. Your season is off the rails. And fair or not, again, judging too much or not judging enough out of what we've seen the last three weeks, I I don't know. But it's pretty clear to me that those two mean the world to keeping this thing um, from becoming what so many other Brown seasons have become that's why that's why unfortunately this team continues to be a joke if that's the truth um because just because in most football cities we don't have all these other biases and other things like that they're motivating ownership coaches fans it's just win enough games to get to the playoffs and try to and have a great season and, and there's all these other fucking pitfalls and and, and it's, it's like a video it's like a bad after school special like we got to be up for this game and we got it like that's not how sports really should work, and, but it does in Cleveland, unfortunately, with that football team. And it's frustrating going into a season. This is a time where you should have – I mean, the, the best thing about spring training that we always make fun of where we're like the Cavs and they start training camp is optimism, right? Like, you know, the optimism of, 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 hey, maybe our point guard becomes a top five point guard or, hey, you know, maybe one of our pitchers blossoms into, you know, a top ten pitcher. Maybe, you know, Andres Jimenez – turns into the second coming of Jose Ramirez. You can say those crazy things, you know, in spring camps or whatever camps. And, and those are things you look forward to going into the season. This Browns team, like I, I have, I, 
there's got to be some optimism, some some way to do it. And whether it's the people that cover the team, whether it's the people that call the radio stations, whether it's just the average people out there, this has been the worst offseason of all time for a football franchise. <laughs> like it literally has. And they've like been just, in the headline every single day single since day. March 14th. <laughs> and it's like, and I like, and I don't want to be negative. It's we're, like this is the last day of August. This has been one of my least favorite Browns off seasons of my entire fucking life. And I'm not the only one. And people listening right now in your car or wherever you're at, sorry, your kid just heard Andre say fucking turn on the TV. I won't say it then, but be honest with yourself. How are you really up for this season when it's been an absolute train wreck from the moment the season ended when, when the statue decided he wanted to be the statue? Fuck that little ass quarterback. I can't wait to the first game of the season. And I hope he gets swallowed up by Miles Garrett and crew. And no shit that he said he's going to fuck him up. That was like the least surprising thing in my entire life to hear that. (laughs) Now, the little girl that squealed and said that, that's the problem with the media today. Oh, God. You don't understand. That was an all-time bottom. Because here's the deal. You can report that you had a conversation with the (laughs) – Almost Tony Grosty. You can have a conversation and you can report that you had a conversation with the statue and he is fired up and this game has been circled on his calendar. And nobody blinks an eye if you report it that way. Young reporters, stop trying to make yourself into a star when you're not a star and making yourself the star of the story when the story's not about you. Yeah, that was... Ooh, that was an all-time bizarre, and the league and the league pays her right. Yes, now she, not that night she was on the Buffalo broadcast, but the league pays her right. Correct, and she don't get that job doing the Bills sideline if the league wasn't paying her right. I'm friends with Andrew Siciliano. I'm friends with a lot of these with Chris Rose. A lot of these guys and gals that do games for teams in the preseason work for the NFL network because they want to sell their network so they put their people or help their people get on the sidelines of these games in the preseason we need to teach if you're going to put people on the sidelines that you put on your network you may want to teach them how to how the game works yeah yeah that was bad um we were already going to get super buttoned down baker next week you know um look there's a human element to the game. There's also not no such thing as the NFL as something that isn't a big game. It isn't um, doesn't have meaning. I mean, you're talking about in the preseason guys fighting for jobs and coaches knowing their Nazi, <laughs> you know, all of these things that are real. We we've seen it. There's it is not for long, right? There's no patience in this league. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I just want to say again, if you are a Browns fan, or if you are a soured Browns fan, or if you are already hardened and beat up by the Browns and are just an observer or whatever. I mean, if you don't look at this ownership track record and look at what they've taken on, on and off the field and have had no idea of how to even present their answer for any of it and think that they can try them this season with this roster and these expectations and this continuity for the first time in 15 years, and have it go sour and things are just going to be fine and nobody's going to get fired and everybody's going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya together on <laughs> December 11th and December 24th, then you guys are kidding yourselves and please go listen to another podcast. Right. Thank you. 
right? You jump right. on somebody else's conversation where they tell you that this is a thriving organization. Right. Where they lie right. to you, make yourself feel better. You find better that on yourself. Twitter every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of podcasts out there that lie to you and, and, and paint you a brighter, newer orange and, and, and sell you shit that you've never had before. Yeah. And, and it's the way of the end of it. It's the way of the league. But uh, this this offseason has been shit. They, they need games. And like, here's here's something that kills me. I want to come on this podcast and I want to be like, hey, Zach, tell me about the, the tell me about the nine drafted guys that made the team and why they made the team. This this camp. OK, because they had it, but because that's like that to me tells me what the scouts are really doing. The guys that are really grinding because there's guys that are grinding their asses off trying to make a living in this game, scouting for the Browns and 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 going out and really. And they had a couple young kids that have made the team. Now, they may not be on the team by the time this comes out. They may not be on the, the team, you know, come September 11th. But they did get, what, two guys, I think, that were undrafted that basically made the team? Uh, one undrafted made it. One, yes. Uh, Anthony Bell. Um, and he, listen, he must be good because this is a team that intentionally drafts 20 and 21-year-olds, and this is a 25-year-old undrafted rookie from West Florida right. who made the team. So they must right. really see something there. Um, they have held on to all of their draft picks to this point. Obviously, that's, that's trust in your work and trying to build something. That's a little bit of stubbornness or arrogance, too, to a point. Um, it's saying, you know, we're a little more concerned with the top of our roster, which looks good, except for the most important position in football, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and wide receiver in a passing league. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this all works out because Dre, even like we just talked about the unforgiving and fast nature of this league. And if you make it to year three, expectations should be high always. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you get sign off to even begin to make this kind of trade that they made, forgetting for a brief second about all the tentacles of it, you know, it's because you already got a good team and because you're thinking about really high standards, you know, going places you haven't gone before, winning a bunch of games. Um, you know, I just have concerns about the depth of this offense, and that's from obviously from what you can do in the passing game and and the predictability of it, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, um, and- I feel a little bit – let me say this. I feel a little bit higher than you do, and you see it every day. And that's – so that doesn't mean I'm right. doesn't mean you're right. But no, I'll, it I'll doesn't, say for this. sure. But I'll say this. Um, I have confidence in the coach. I think the coach is – and I've said this from day one. He's not perfect. Um, his press conferences are, are, are like watching paint dry. There's something about this guy, and, and I can say this because I've talked to more than Cleveland people about who he is, and, and there's a lot of Minnesota people that I've gotten to know and, and through the Cleveland. We've I've been able to talk to people that really know who he is or really have a pretty good feel for who he is as a coach. And then none of them would say it out loud, but a lot of them feel like he's been hamstrung by the talent that he was given here and what we saw offensively. Um, and they feel like he can be a winning coach with a quarterback that just does what he asks. And that, you know, plays a little bit like New England where everybody kind of does their part. So every, no one, not one side has to carry the team. We're going to find out because the defense is the defensive line has a chance and its defensive secondary has a chance to have you in every damn game. So everything I hear Zach say, I don't think you're wrong because um, obviously we've been told that it's an offensive league and you need to score all of this. You need I, I hear all that. But if you're good, if you're good enough defensively to make it hell for somebody to score 21 points, and I think they'll have a defense that can do that at times, you don't have to score 40 to win. 
That's sure. You're going to have to score 21, 21, 20, 19 to 20 is the number. You're going to have to score 20 to win. But early in the season, all these, not many offenses are going to be clicking on September 11th. And on September 11th, you play Carolina, their offense is probably only going to have like four or five plays that click because the, the statue only probably going to know four or five plays because they've only been there four or five weeks. It's going to get out of his hand quickly. Oh, no doubt. And you know what? And so do the second day. So what is Ward and crew going to do? We're going to come up and we're going to jam the shit out of their wide receivers. And we're going to mess up all your timing and make you look for your second, third read, which you're really bad at. And you can't see. Right. Good luck. That's why the ball is going to go to Christian Caffrey. It's going to go to before he even gets to those other. Reads. <laughs> well, it's going to be screens and draws and all that other shit. It is. It is. It's going to be fine. Quickly well, what I guess hand. I'm getting at. It's time to find out about this coach the right way. He has a job put out for him. You don't have to have Randy Moss and, and, and Chris Carter at wide receiver to move the ball in the NFL if your coach knows what he's doing. That's true. And they've built an offense that should be able to move it without those guys mm-hmm. to, to an extent, right? You, you have yeah. to throw the ball and you have to throw the ball more than eight yards at times in, in the NFL. But when you look at this Brown schedule, Jerry, I think you said it right. The first five games, if your defense shows up and if you do run it well, then you can win at 20 points, right? I mean, that's that to me, that's the number. That's why why, why I'm circling week three. I mean, you might be able to win at 14 points there against the Steelers at home. Steelers, yeah. You know? Well, here's, I'll say this. It's It's either going to be against Mitch for Menor or a rookie. Right. Well, here's this. If we're talking in six weeks, if we're talking, if we're talking by Thanksgiving and the Steelers have a better record than the Browns, this is going to be an awful year. And the Steelers as an organization find ways to make sure they're over 500 year in and year out, even when they don't know who their quarterback is. They do. They do. Um, that to me is the pressure. Their Not- defense is a lot more proven than the Browns, but I, I like yeah. the pieces of this Browns defense. I do too, but that's what I'm scared of that. You've allowed all this, like you've actually finally caught up talent. I don't want to say you've, uh, if, all right, you can tell me if I'm wrong and people may not, you can disagree or agree with what I'm getting ready to say, but Talent-wise, your organization, your favorite organization, finally talent-wise, matches up much better with the with the Ravens as well as with the Steelers and the Bengals, too, I would say. I would say all four teams in this comp, in this division, talent-wise, are pretty damn talented. You would take these rosters in the other division, and, and, and you're willing to fight. Yes, every you team can- has established guys, yes. NFL producers, yes. So you finally have gotten to that part where you have NFL dudes – you can't let Pittsburgh just blow by you when they're still trying to figure out their quarterback and their offensive situation. If that happens this season, that's going to be one of the biggest disappointments of the year for me. For this organization, like I'm just being honest well, because. Yeah, no, honestly, you're probably going to be in third place in the AFC North, but yeah. you're supposed to be playing Top for two. first. Yeah. You know, and they might be, but I mean, Realistically, is Jacoby Brissett going to win five or six of the eleven games that he quarterbacks? I think he can. I like I said, I don't put it. Just All right, six. You, you you think the Browns can be six and five? Yeah, I, because it's not all on him. And how many how many games? And you you were at everyone last year. Every game was a one possession, two possession game last year. That right? Uh, yeah, as they mostly are. Yes, mostly well, I mean are. they got beat. They blew out the Patriots, or they got blown out by the Patriots and blew out the Bengals. But- right. Other than and that was all the defense. They blew out the Bengals because Ward went crazy and the defense went crazy. And then then the the uh, midget or the ah, that one up in. <laughs> um, I'm I, look. I'm not. All I'm saying is this: 
Jacoby Brissett can win games if you don't have him in third nine all day long. You Will you need the offense to play out of his ass and the running backs to play? Yes, but they can. You have an offense. If the offensive line is healthy, you run the ball, you bleed the clock, and you try to win 17 to 14. And that's what they're going to have to do. Right. Yeah. And you can do that against every team because you should be able to with the talent you have on defense. Like I said, this is on Kevin Stefanski. Is it how he asked for it? No. But this is the chance and choice he gets. And you got to make and, and in this league, nobody asks you or cares. I'll take about one exception. You, you, with. you can't do that against every team. But the way you lay out no. the blueprint, the way you lay out the blueprint and the way you acknowledge the potential of the Browns, given the pieces that I, I completely agree with. And I think most people do, too. Yeah, I mean, and, and at least, wait, I'll put it this way. And I guess this is why I'm, I'm, I'm a tad more positive than you are. This is a better situation than it's been 95% of the time going into the season for the Browns since they returned in 99. It is. That's they, they, at least have talent. They, they at least have talent, man. And it's like, now can they figure out how to use it? Yeah. And, and are they really equipped for, like, I truly don't think, Dre, on a day-to-day basis, that the Deshaun Watson has been situation has been much of, and I just saw the clock. Um, so if you got a yeah. final thought, have it ready. Okay. Um, has been much of a distraction for the players and for most of the coaching staff, because I truly believe in any training camp, you know, it, and no, it's not blood and guts, Oklahoma drill three days like it used to be, but there's still enough on your plate and guys still are physically and mentally beat down. And yeah. you're still, you know, even when you have continuity and even when you have good players, you still go, from basic installations to ramping it up and refining to a couple competitive days to honing in on a couple things. As you go, you still have so much that you're not worried. But like I said, when you're playing on national TV in a short week in week three, and you have to try to grind to 16 points because the quarter, your $230 million quarterback isn't there. That's when it's a distraction, right? When you look at the four winnable games and all of a sudden you lose even one of them and you have to answer why. It's because, well, we, we took this on. Yeah, hey, and that's on ownership. Yeah. And that's what happens when you work for the, for the Haslam's, yeah. you know, that you got to overcome them too, which sucks. And usually means we got to overcome the owner. It's hard to win championships, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's nor here nor there. Whether this is a football town, baseball town, an idiot town, whatever else, this is, this is what it is. And they got to overcome some things. Um, that aren't all their fault. So Kevin Stefanski, this is the, this is the year where we find out if Kevin Stefanski is a special coach and gets a legitimate another chance when it doesn't work here, <laughs> or we find out if he's just yeah you know another one that's been in the barrel of coming to Cleveland and getting run out of town. Right? Were you watching Ohio State Notre Dame? Um, probably at my cousin's house. I, I really really don't know. We're kind of just getting out of this vortex of strange things to where you can know, like look crazy. ahead two days in your life, you know? Right. Right. All um, right. I know. I think I'm maybe, I think I'm going to be free. I'm debating well, if I'm doing two got, TVs. He's got a little setup to where, um, and shoot, it goes back to game seven of the Cavs. We got the projector screen and it goes up on the side of his house. Oh yeah. yeah this time yeah, of year, that's pretty nice. Yeah. So I might have to call Isley up to get, be my ride or die. <laughs> got <a> big week. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to that game. Um, I was, I was traveling and working last Saturday when it, it was a nice to have a college football appetizer, but I, I can't say that I got to see more than 10 minutes of week zero, get week zero makes me itchy. I don't know if I like the whole week zero shit. Yeah. It's a good tease. There's good and bad teases in the world. And that's a good one. <laughs> that's true. I um, I, I, I am fascinated by Ohio state because I, I, I do believe in the talent that they have. 
And like, it's, there's a human side to this. Like when you're supposed to win every game by 30 and it's national championship or bust, sometimes that wears on you, especially on college kids. We forget the kids kids and on college coaches too. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Marcus Freeman's story is great to me. Just knowing the story and knowing who he is and knowing how old we are and how old he is and that he's the Notre Dame football coach. I think that's a hell of a story in your first game to be against your alma mater. I just TV, TV networks couldn't ask for anything better because that kid is, uh, he's what college sports are about. He's a great dude, and I hope for the best for him. I just hope he doesn't get, give up 50 in his first game. 17 and a half is that line. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, and don't be an asshole like that guy, and you guys know who he is, and I hope he hears this and he knows how to get a hold of me. Don't be giving out high school football lines and putting it online. Like, dude, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing? Do you want to you smell your own nuts so bad that you're willing to get everybody else in trouble? Fuck you. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about there, but I'm fascinated. I'll, I'll tell you later. Okay. Trust me, there are enough people that know. But just know there was one of those high school football lines that they come out, you know, how they come out, and somehow they ended up on Twitter, the wrong place for them to be. Okay. Because you have so many people that want to say, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, rather than just letting the world work the way it's supposed to work. That's interesting, right? Well, Maslin covered last week. I know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> guys, American Fireworks is always open. American Fireworks. I can't even text it to you because I feel like the FBI is watching me. Motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, anyway, football's here. We're excited. The podcast will be here for you. Uh, I'm nine, ten days away from getting on a flight to Charlotte for a big game. We'll talk about it next week. We might even be together Saturday night to um, watch yeah. the Buckeyes, and we'll go on Instagram Live for about 25 seconds before we think better of it. Exactly. <laughs>